helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore we will not be afraid, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, though its waters ro- water roars and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil. There is a river, its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her, she will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage, kingdoms topple, the earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of armies is with us, the God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, see the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth. He makes wars cease throughout the earth. He shadows bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. Stop your fighting and know that I am God, exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Father, as we come to your word this morning, we pray that you'll open our hearts to receive it, anoint my lips to bring it. Father, we don't just come to hear your word, we come to be transformed by your spirit. So please work in us at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Before I begin, I just want to put out there, we are uh, just tweaking a couple of roles in the service, nothing radical, but one of the things I'd love is uh, to have more people not just relying on the worship team to actually read the scripture uh, on a, when we come to the sermon. So if you would like to do that, don't be shy. I uh, would love to have you as, as part of that. God is our refuge. We live in a time of upheaval. Uh, we've talked about this a number of times over the last few weeks and, and uh, our topic has really been how do we find an anchor in times of upheaval uh, in 2020? I'm glad there's only one 2020. There'll never be another 2020 again. <laughs> yeah, famous last words. Um, but, you know, it has been, we, we are seeing geopolitical turmoil, obviously the pandemic, uh, and all the spin-offs that come with that, and... And in times of upheaval, what do you do? Where do you go? And so over the past few weeks, we've uh, looked at this series, God Is, and we've seen that God is eternal. You remember, remember way back when we saw God being eternal means that he's actually big enough for us. Someone once said a God that you can understand is not a God who's big enough for your needs. And when we say God is eternal, we're talking about a God who is bigger than we can really comprehend, but big enough for our needs. That God is one. And we looked at Deuteronomy and we saw that our identity is founded in God. That God is omniscient. God knows everything and he knows you intimately and he knows you better than you know yourself and that you matter because you're known. We saw that God is sovereign. He rules over the earth. That God is just. That although it seems at times that there is no justice in the world, bad people get away with good things, good people have bad things happen to them, and yet in the end, God will make all things right. That God is compassionate. 
and he welcomes those who were far away from him and we just enter by faith and last week we saw that god is faithful faithful to his covenant if we are christians god has made a covenant with us and uh, he is far more faithful to that than we are to him and today we're looking at god is a refuge so some people think uh, some scholars think this psalm was written during a time of upheaval the language in here is uh is is very much almost apocalyptic you know yet when uh the the earth trembles the mountains topple into the depths of the seas uh its waters roar and foam and the psalmist is is asking where can we find refuge when everything turns topsy-turvy you know the, these uh words the language here that the psalmist is using is used in the bible in very symbolic very powerful ways oceans were a symbol of chaos and when the chaos is stirring up the psalmist asking when everything just seems to be coming undone mountains were symbols of rulers uh, in fact the gods lived on mountains the psalmists talk about zion being the the mightiest of the mountains you know zion where the temple was situated isn't even the highest mountain in the area around it there are higher mountains if you look out from zion but he says lofty peaks because this is the dwelling place of god and so what do we do when the mountains seem to be crumbling and everything that we have put our hope in seems to be washing away where is god during these times and yet the psalmist is very confident that even when the world seems to be a place where we can't see god actually god is a refuge a helper who is always found your translation may say uh, ever-present helper he's not that far away if we want to look for him and yet very often we have trouble finding him where is god in the midst of it all how can i find refuge in a god who who i can't see i think i wonder if sometimes the the, the problems can be a little bit not so much with god but with our expectations of god and we've talked a little bit about this during this series but I, i'm mindful of a couple of things that really brought this idea home uh, about expectations and the need to have realistic expectations to understand the order of things because sometimes we we come into the world and we approach life and things happen and we think god should be there for me and really we're here for god and god does look after his own he is faithful he is compassionate but at the end of the day it's not about my comfort it's about god's glory the amazing thing is that ultimately i will be swept up in that glory with him but i've got to wait really came home to me in 1989 uh, my dad was a missionary pilot he had been uh, flying for years he had a phenomenal amount of hours clocked up and a lot of that was a, as an agricultural pilot and so you know zooming down over fields and some of his uh, his workmates once gave him this trophy 
uh, of all the emus and sheep and kangaroos he'd killed on takeoff and landing with his propeller, <laughs> killing, you know, because he's taking off from fields. So he was a really, he'd flown for four years in New Guinea. Uh, if you know anything about New Guinea, uh, that is really, really treacherous. Some of those mountains are literally like this. You take off, you land uphill and you take off downhill. The weather conditions can change uh, from the time you take off when you thought you'd get through that mountain to when you actually get to that mountain and you hope the gap is still there um, and it is just, uh, you know, really challenging. And then we move to Alice Springs where everything is flat. There's one very low mountain range. And uh, my dad died in a plane crash one night checking in another pilot. So dad left behind three boys and a wife and uh, the other pilot left behind a wife and a two-year-old daughter. It was devastating. And you sort of have to check your priorities when you're looking at that thing. What is going on? My dad is uh, a deacon in the church. He's given his life to serving God in sometimes dangerous conditions. And then this, and they couldn't find a cause. It was inexplicable. It's why? What? This doesn't make sense. So what am I going to do? Am I going to run from God in anger or am I going to say God is a refuge and ultimately I'll find the answer? Another time when I was on the Doulos, we were birthed in Cape Town. We spent six months there and uh, one Sunday night we get the news that a church had been attacked by um, Muslim extremists, had thrown a couple of hand grenades in there and, and uh, killed a dozen or so people and of course others were critically injured and so on and i'm like god these people are worshiping you and this happens where is god in the midst of that why do these things happen when the mountains crumble and oceans of chaos are churning up and the psalmist says god is our refuge a strength who is always found. And I have to tell you, I mean, some of that, with my dad dying particularly, you know, had some working through to do. It's not like I'm saying this is simple. But it's at times like these we have to know how are we going to respond. Are we going to search for God that he may be found? Because the promise is he will be when we need him in times of trouble. Because there's a response here that the psalmist says we make because God is a refuge. Even despite all this turmoil, despite personal tragedy, despite the uncertainty on the global stage, despite the fear of pandemic and, and uh, the pain for some of you of being cut off from family, the psalmist says, therefore, we will not be afraid. He doesn't say we don't need to be afraid. He doesn't say we shouldn't be afraid. He says we will not be afraid. And he's speaking for the people here. We, not just I, but we will not be afraid. Why? Because he's speaking for a people who have put their trust in God. Israel went through time and time again invasion and famine 
and pandemic, often because so many in the nation had wandered away from him because they had corrupt kings and all sorts of reasons. But the psalmist says, in spite of all this, we are going to put our trust in God and we will not be afraid. We will not be afraid when the Assyrians are on our door. We will not be afraid when the crops fail. We will not be afraid when the Babylonians are coming because God is a refuge. We will not be afraid when loved ones die. We will not be afraid when churches are attacked, which happens all over the place. That was just in my radar because I was in town at the time. But of course, this is common for the church in many parts of the world. But we will not be afraid because we trust in God and we understand the order of things, that we are here for His glory and He is working all things out for His glory because He is sovereign. And one day He's going to sweep us up and be part of that glory because He is faithful. God is a refuge who can always be found. So we will not be afraid. I'd better, these slides I've carefully crafted. Then he says, there is a river. There is a river, its streams delight the city of God. This is a really interesting verse here because it's evoking Jerusalem. It doesn't name Jerusalem. Uh, It doesn't name the Jordan River. And of course, that would have been a geographical impossibility because Jerusalem isn't actually near the Jordan River. So I don't think the psalmist is talking about the Jordan here. In fact, Jerusalem doesn't have any rivers anywhere near it. Not, there might be some creeks and, and that sort of thing that run seasonally, but, but Jerusalem doesn't have a river. And so yet the psalmist says there is a river. Its streams delight the city of God, the holy, holy dwelling of the Most High. Rivers are a really significant symbol in the Bible, in the Old Testament. And you can imagine why. I mean, just uh, transport yourself to the Middle East, to Israel, and think about Egypt, and think about Babylon, and think about the environment there. Think about being in the desert in Australia, and it's even more arid than that. I used to live in Alice Springs. I've been out into the desert, and I've been to the Middle East, And I tell you what, we do not have a patch on them. (laughs) It is dry and hot and nothing lives there. And so rivers that flow through the desert are a lifeline. And that's why civilizations could spring up in Egypt and in Babylon because they had these rivers that they could use for irrigation. And so rivers are really, really evocative and important uh, in the world of the Bible. And... The Bible talks about rivers way back at the beginning. It talks about a river that flows out uh, of Eden through the garden, the garden of God. Here we see the river, the city of God. We see the Jordan, so significant for the Israelites. It was the boundary of the promised land. They were about to cross over to the promised land and then uh, the African-American slaves turned that whole imagery into songs of freedom and hope uh, about heaven and, and, and entering the promised land. And right at the end of the Bible, you know, we have another river. 
So the, the river the gar- uh, flows through the garden of God, but that's not a city. Here it, uh, in the psalm, it talks about a city. But then in Revelation 22, we find another river that does flow through a city. I love the symmetry in the Bible. So he said, Then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for healing for the nations, and there will be no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun because the Lord will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. When we we have this image of the river whose streams make glad, who delight the uh, the city of God, we, we have this image throughout history that that leads up to this moment when one day we're going to stand in that celestial city. But you know, Jesus also said something about streams flowing and we don't have to wait that long. He said in John 7, 38, whoever believes in him, streams of living water will well up and flow out of them. And John says he was talking about the Holy Spirit. I think here in the psalm, the river of God that that delights the people of God. I think we can take to be the Holy Spirit. In fact, I think as we look back, of course, uh, the psalmist may not have, have said this, but as we look back, we see the city being the people of God and we take that for ourselves being the church the river of the holy spirit flows in our midst and brings us delight and i want to ask you does that river bring you delight do those streams bring you do you delight do you dwell in the city? Do you, do you delight in the presence of the Spirit, the presence of God with us through His Spirit? Because it's when we delight ourselves in that that we know that, yeah, actually, God is dwelling with us. And we see this imagery. It's there is a river, it streams to light the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her, among us, and she will not be toppled why will she not be toppled why can the holy city not be toppled why can the church not be toppled not because we're particularly good not because we're particularly strong jerusalem wasn't and goodness we're not but because god is within her and so the psalmist says he will protect it nations rage kingdoms topple the earth melts when he lifts his voice but the lord of armies is with us 
the God of Jacob is our stronghold. The one eternal, compassionate and just God and so much more. We've only touched on a few of his attributes through this series. He is with us. Let's delight ourselves in him. It's in that and it's in this city, it's together that we find refuge in God. But then we also find, the psalmist says, that God is going to judge the world. He says, come and see the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth. And I wonder if sometimes the devastation we see is a kind of judgment from God. I want to be a little bit careful here. I don't think God's going around with a holy war hammer smiting people but you know there's something happens when we take ourselves out of outside of his blessing and he sort of hands us over to our own destruction so to speak but see here the devastation the lord's uh, working is really interesting he says see the devastation that the lord brings on the earth but what sort of devastation is it it's a peaceful devastation he says see the devastation the lord brings he makes wars to cease. Wow, that's the sort of devastation I want to see on the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. God is a warrior king. But he's also a prince of peace. It's like God it's saying God declares war on war. God declares war on the nations that, that rage and thrash against him. God declares war on the foaming and roaring seas, the chaos, the upset, and the turmoil. But the warrior king is also the prince of peace who dwells within the city and is a refuge, is a strong tower. And so he says, stop your fighting and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. This can be so hard in the midst of so much turmoil, can't it? I mean, I heard, heard of lots of people, uh, and probably myself included, who said during the lockdown, this is great, I'm gonna, I can't do anything, I'm going to take more time for God. And how many of you, your Netflix viewing increased? <laughs> oh, there's plenty of other. This is great. I've got all this time. I can do all those projects I've wanted to do. I, I can do this or that. And it's like, no, stop your raging. Stop your fighting and know that I am God. There's so much dis, uh, distraction in the world, so much distraction in our own lives. Man, I, I'm preaching to myself right now because I know how much distraction. I'm driving here this morning. I thought, God, I just want to be more godly. I want more of you. But there is so much to do and so many other things that, uh, that take my time. And um, none of them are really wrong. None of them are really bad. But they're just not God. And so there's a decision we have to make. If we want to know, he says, know that I am God. Stop and know. Do we give ourselves enough time to stop? When we're looking for the refuge, do we give ourselves 
enough time to stop, to stop looking in all the other places we go to. You know, sometimes we just had a busy day. We want to numb ourselves with the Netflix or um, with friends or just in a good book. And nothing wrong with any of that. But is that us stopping and knowing God or is it just us stopping and trying to distract ourselves and numb the pain or the boredom or the, the whatever it is? Do we stop and know that he is God? Because there's something the psalmist says twice in this psalm, and it's important that we look at it then. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. God is our refuge. And I want to ask you today, what does this mean for you? Are there places in your life where there is fear? And you have to make a decision. No, I'm not going to be afraid. I shouldn't be afraid. I don't need to be afraid. I know that with my head. How do I translate that into the heart? I've got to stop and know that he is God. I've got to stop and just take time to let that sink in, that the God of armies, the Lord of armies is, is with us. That the God of Jacob is my stronghold not run to the other things. Other things you're fighting with the Lord over. Don't like this, God. This isn't the way I want to do it. Stop and know that I am God. Yeah, there's fighting involved, but the Lord wants you to fight on His side so that He can fight on your side. The Lord is a refuge. These are difficult times we live in, and although you may be affected by them personally to one degree or another, what often tends to happen in stress, and I see this when I, I do funerals, is it amplifies what's already there. When we're under stress, if you've, if you've got conflict or things in your life, it's going to amplify it. It's going to get louder. Fears are going to get louder. Anger dissension is going to get louder but I also see the people who if there's peace there if I'm finding my refuge in, in God that goes deeper that gets louder as well it becomes more obvious so I want to encourage you as we come uh, start approaching the end of 2020 yay! <laughs> take some and we enter Christmas season and it gets busier Try and take some time to stop and know that he is God. Where do you need him to be a refuge in your life in this season? What's going on? I just need to stop. You are God. Let's pray. Father, you are God. And by faith we declare that you are a refuge who can always be found in times of trouble. Lord, we know this to be true.
And Father, by faith and by your Spirit, Lord, we declare we will not be afraid. Lord, even though the nations rage, the mountains crumble, the oceans froth and foam, Father, because you are a God who brings an end to all of that. You want to bring an end to our conflict, our turmoil. Father, we thank you that you're present with us. And may we delight ourselves in your river. In Jesus' name. I want to invite you, if today you need prayer, if you just need a bit of help finding those streams, finding the delight of the Holy Spirit, would love to pray with you. If you don't know God, you're thinking, what is this guy on about? I want to invite you to come and talk to, to me and, and Andrea as well. And we'd love to talk to you more about knowing Jesus and what he can do in your life. Thanks, T.